0: Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women with your host, Barbara
1: Troutline. Welcome. I'm Dr. Barbara Troutline, principal and chief catalyst at Change Catalysts, and I partner with clients to manufacture change in this age of disruption across industries and around the globe. I'm thrilled to be a host for Women in Manufacturing and to get the opportunity to interview exceptional women in STEM fields. Our conversations are mission critical to ensure all voices are heard and able to contribute in our workplaces and our world. And of course, our dialogue is of vital importance for women and girls and men and boys, too, to achieve success in life and work. Please do continue to engage in this conversation by following us online at womenandmsg.com and on Twitter as well. Please join me in welcoming Javiera Atique. Javi is an MBA candidate at the Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University. Prior to business school, she spent 5 years in oil and gas exploration and production as a field engineer and business developer. The challenges she faced in the industry were a pronounced version of what it was like to be one of the nine female engineering students in a class of 160 mechanical engineers at the University of Engineering and Technology in Lahore. These issues at school and in professional life range from having conversations with male colleagues without coming across too friendly to not missing out on opportunities that were informally shared amongst male circles. She also almost always found herself proving that women are as capable in the profession as are men and that things are not presented to women on a silver platter as her early career male peers seem to have assumed. Please join me in welcoming Javi. Javi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. So I wanted to start off by asking if there's anything you'd like to share with the audience about your background that I didn't cover in your bio so far. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, it's worth
0: sharing uh, that I like to experiment before I fully sign up for something. And I find this approach very critical in my career trajectory so far and life because it has allowed me to find things that I really care about and having leaves me with minimal regret for any missed opportunities. Um, I I think I can share a story with you here, and it's important for everybody in in any aspect of their career. Um, So when I was a mechanical engineering student, I had three industries to choose for my full-time career. I'm going to name them. They were automotive, consumer goods, and oil and gas. And the way my mechanical engineering program was structured, that I could only have done one mandatory internship as part of the program. And to me, that was not enough to decide by the process of elimination. Because I knew that uh, experimentation was important to me, I found out a way to do an extra internship a year before this mandatory internship was supposed to happen. And this first internship was in the automotive sector. Fortunately for me, that turned into a two-year consulting project, so I was able to build quite some knowledge about that sector when it came to decision time for my full-time job closer to graduation. I did my mandatory internship the year after in consumer goods and did not find it satiating for my desires, which was to be able to work on a more hands-on opportunity. Because I had done an internship in automotive and I had done an internship in consumer goods, when, it, when time came for me to decide, it was very easy to choose oil and gas industry for the full-time work, and uh, I thought it was personally rewarding too because I was loving the kind of work I was doing. Now, a lot of times when I share this story, people wonder that you know it's hard to apply in a work setting, and sometimes we just do not have the luxury of options for us to experiment. We must go ahead with the one thing that seems like a natural continuation of our current job, and I can totally relate with people who are thinking like this, because I have been through that as well in my um, full-time career when I first was able to join the oil and gas industry. So when once, so how did I continue the, uh, the, the experimentation trajectory? When, once I was in the industry, uh, valued to continue finding my passions and interests. And what I did was I tried to look for, uh, for projects that were outside the scope of my day to day work. This was a very low stake way of finding if I like a role in that function in the future. And it was a great way for me to build a diverse network within the organization. And it also proved to be a very exceptional way to showcase myself as a high potential employee who was going above and beyond her work to, contri- to contribute to the company. So I, I, I base a lot of um, emphasis on experimenting because I think it allows you to achieve the two things that I stated up front. Do you, would you like doing this, or and uh, and still allows you to it allows you to figure figure out if this is something that you would not enjoy, and therefore you know the missed opportunity regrets does not stand in your way.
1: Thanks, Javi. I love those examples, and I love that advice to experiment with your career. I think that's going to be something that resonates with a lot of the women who are listening who have that engineering, manufacturing bent already, which is obviously so contingent upon experimentation and trying new things and testing. So I think that it's fascinating to apply this advice from what you would do a lot of times as an engineer um, uh, in in any manufacturing role, what you would do in terms of the job that you were performing. I just love kind of twisting that around a bit in a way that a lot of people wouldn't have thought of. That's interesting to me um, to apply that as career advice as well. So thanks so much for sharing that very provocative advice. Thank you. Okay, so as you've shared, you do have extensive experience as a woman in male-dominated environments, both in your academic career as well as in industry. So what have you learned that would be useful for our audience? Sure.
0: I've been in the industry full-time for five years, and then if you count the two years that I was doing a consultancy project, it comes out to be more than that. Um, it's, it's been a lot of time for me to be able to – think through and do a self-reflection of um, what are the things that have worked for me and what are the things I could have worked upon. So I'm, I'm all about sharing what has worked in my case and what has not worked for, to be, for people to learn and perhaps do better than what I have done. Um, so two things I would like to focus and sort of give a takeaway uh, is that do not refrain from self-advocating so advocate yourself any time an opportunity you get. And the second thing I want to talk about is that you should try to build a supportive network with as much intention as you can. In my opinion, these two things work in tandem. Uh, you have to speak for yourself when you are present in a situation, uh, when a decision about your career is being made. Uh, for example, what sort of project will you work on or what geographical location assignment you will be at? Things of that nature. And then you have to have a network uh, to speak for you because then who will be speaking for you when, you're not, when you are not present yourself in a critical decision making point regarding your career? And I, I've come to this conclusion that why, do, why are these two things so somewhat important based on my experience is that I've seen that people pay a lot of attention to uh, their own performance and assume that people around us care about our performance too. The reality is that the focus on ourselves leaves little room for us to pay attention to what other people are doing around us. So if you are in places where there's only one session per year to talk about all you've contributed and accomplished uh, in in your yearly review, then I I honestly, I wish you good luck because uh, these are the situations in workplaces that Call for more self-advocacy and as much and as often as you can do. So I'm gonna what I've also noticed in terms of self-advocacy is that women refrain from doing it because we feel like we are glorifying ourselves for a work that needed to be done anyways. I have certainly felt that way. And only to realize in my self-reflections that those were opportunities missed uh, for me to give a gentle reminder. And nudge the others in the room to know about all the contributions I had made in those projects. Um, on the contrary, I have noticed my uh, male peers display with very a lot of ease that uh, when it comes to talking about what they had contributed, and <laughs> it's funny, but sometimes the, the, their contributions were were the expectations of them, and some you know uh, even trivial, but they did not refrain from uh, showcasing or sharing what they had been up to. Uh, so that's what I have to say on self-advocacy. Um, I also want to say something here in terms of when you will not be present in, in, in times when important decisions are being made about your career and just sort of pivot towards why it is important to have a supportive network for you. Um, because, that's when, because when you're absent, uh, you are leaving a voice for, uh, there's no voice to represent you, and you have to be able to have a network that supports you uh, in your absence uh, so that that voice is not lost uh, or taken away from the room as when you are not in the room yourself. So it's important uh, for you to invest your time in building a network at vocket. So it's, I would, my, my, um, advice here would be to invest invest time on the side, trying to build a network of advocates, uh, so that you, when you are not in the room, uh, somebody's supporting you. So, again, I am I, a very storytelling person, so I'm going to talk about uh, you know how my uh, related back to the first question you asked me, and uh, which resulted in me sharing about my continuously experimenting habits. Um, I think it's very important to understand um, how I've used these two things and how I've come to these realizations. There was one point in my career when I was regularly meeting with a technical advisor in our company, and the idea was to be able to push my knowledge boundaries and pick up new insights. This was not mandatory. This was completely myself trying to better myself in my career in terms of my knowledge and how I came across as as a technical engineer. And this was a complete personal endeavor in all aspects. And there was this one time, uh, what I was gaining from this personal development was having a direct impact on my conversations with my clients, earning us more business and uh, being able to advise them more intelligently, building a trust with this new uh, employee that we had, and, and really, strengthening the reputation that my, uh, that my company had for customers, which is that we took care, of our, um, took care of, our, of our customers. And this was good for the company in so many ways. And uh, like I said, it was still helping us build credibility, earning new business, things of that nature. But what was interesting was that uh, I had not shared this with my direct supervisor. Of the things, the the meetings that I was doing with the technical advisor on 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 a side to side basis, and one day my, my direct supervisor he just happens to run across me at an office floor where the technical advisor used to sit. So we had some stratification with respect to people who were senior technical engineers sitting at a completely different floor in the office, and then me and my team sitting at a different floor. So. It wasn't expected for us to be on those floors until business needs called for. So it, it was a very coincident situation where my my boss or my direct supervisor finds me in a different floor, and he just casually asks me that uh, what I had been doing down there. And honestly, I thought I felt, I, I felt like I was in a crime scene, and and, uh, and this kind of goes back to uh, when women don't self-advocate for themselves or are not confident in projecting the extra things that are there doing i felt like i i because i had that's how i felt i did not confidently share what i had been doing for the past few months learning from the technical advisor and uh, using it to enhance our relationship with the customers and when it came for my review time uh, my uh, my these extra efforts were not even acknowledged because i had not made the connection between my extra endeavors and the incredible positive business outcomes that it was generating with our client. Um, On the flip side, I noticed that my male peers, on the other hand, I had noticed that my male peers were just casually keeping up to date my uh, direct supervisor on their day-to-day progress with client meetings. And this was literally a job requirement and nothing out of the way uh, or the impact of the business was not even comparable as mine. But they were considered for opportunities uh, foremost because they were just successful in keeping afresh their contributions in the minds of my direct supervisor. So um, uh, this is a story that I all often keep in the back of my mind as I think about uh, the importance of self-advocating and having a network speak for me uh, when I why I do not have the opportunity to self-advocate for myself.
1: And that's an incredibly powerful story, Javi. I love the expression from the Dalai Lama who said that when you lose, don't lose the lesson. <laughs> so it definitely seems like you were able to tease out some very important life lessons from uh, specifically that, that experience. One of my um, uh, and, and it's again, it's a not uncommon. Uh, learning for um, uh, women to have in their careers. One of the when I when I coach women, uh, one of the and men too to some degree, but definitely a lot more for women. Um, uh, a resource I often suggest that they uh, purchase is a book called Brag, and the subtitle of the book is How to Toot Your Own Horn Without Blowing It. <laughs> I love that subtitle, and it's really all about, as you say, positive self advocacy positive self-advocacy um, because so often we as women do shy away much more than our male colleagues of really um, promoting and talking about the good work that we're doing and one mindset shift that I got by reading Brad was that not doing so is actually stingy. It's stingy because the organization and, your, and the managers are not seeing what a resource they have in you and often in the team that you're working with um, in terms of, like you said, the bottom line benefits of what you're bringing to the organization. Um, So, again, kudos to you for, um, you know, having uh, gone through that really challenging learning experience and teased out uh, what would be beneficial for you to do differently um, moving forward, not just for your career, uh, but also to, you know, demonstrate the, Evaluated to your organization and, and its clients. And the other thing I like what you said, um, I think another important lesson to tease out is you really focused a lot on investing with intent, investing with intent. So whether it's investing with intent in terms of investing the time for that positive self-advocacy or investing with intent in terms of building your supportive network, Um, Because, again, I think that was such a powerful message that when you're absent, is your voice being heard? Because that's what we're all about here is enabling women's voices to be heard in this important industry. Um, So, again, I think investing with intent, another uh, critical um, insight and lesson that you've shared. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Um, So I know that you have other examples, too, because we've chatted many times and, uh, and you have such rich experience and, and such rich examples. And that example that you shared was a lot about your observation about your own behaviors and do differently. And I know that you've also had some interesting experiences about comments that were made directly to you from male colleagues that, that were surprising and instructive. Um, and I would love to hear, um, again, what you know other examples of challenges you face and what you've learned in terms of um, again, how to respond for the benefit of uh, you know, your own career and also to help um, you know, give men a different perspective on, um, on some of the things that they are perceiving in the workplace. Yeah, I think I'm
0: going to get labeled as a storyteller after this interview, but I'm all about stories, so I'll, I'll share another one here. Um, at, you've asked me for any specific challenges that I have faced. There have been several but I will focus the energy in talking about this one incident that happened at the very beginning of my professional career. And the relevance is so important to me because it has continued to serve as a reminder to me that women have to go above and beyond the requirements of the job continuously to prove that they're equally capable as men. So I'm going to talk about this um, in the last year of my engineering undergraduate program. I was utilizing on-campus recruitment opportunities for a full-time role after graduation, and after a long process and several rounds of assessment, I was successful in securing a full-time role with the most coveted engineering firm that recruited on campus. It just happens that I was also the first one to receive the offer from the company, and there was a large gap after which a few offers were extended to my male peers in the graduating class. Uh, There were no other offers extended to female engineers in that class. So during that gap period, one of my male peers expressed his discontent uh, with the situation, and it is so vivid to me up to this day, um, the way he said it and what he said. He said, I'm sure had I worn a lipstick, I would have received the offer too. So this is quote-unquote verbatim as to what he said. Um, and I think he was implying that he got, I got the offer because of my women minority status somehow. I was infuriated to hear this, honestly, and you can imagine uh, how, what my feelings would have been at this, that point in time because this has just stuck with me for all these years. And, you know, I wasn't infuriated because it was a personal attack. I was infuriated because it was factually wrong. And the reason I consider it, his um, approach on this actually wrong, was for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, he was, he was uh, questioning my ability as an engineer and my capacity to work in that company. And you know, I, I wonder, should I, not, should I have not put in the time, the effort, the research, and the differentiating tactics that made me a suitable candidate for the job? Um, I, I, he actually made me question my approach uh, towards the whole thing, and the second thing was that made me feel infuriated was that I was felt like I was being blamed for abusing the diversity programs in my favor, and none of these things were true. I had actually gone through the same multi-level rounds of assessment as I had everybody else on campus. My only fault, I believe, was that I did better than others, so I received the first offer on campus, and then the gap with other offers that came in just did not help in my case. Um, I often wonder, had the first offer gone to a male colleague, what would a female peer have said, uh, would a female peer have said something similar, or uh, you know, what would the male peers have said then? So that's a, that's a question that's that's still unanswered in my mind today. But that's the kind of challenges that I'm talking about uh, that you women have had to uh, experience uh, in, in their whether it is in, in their undergraduate programs or educational programs or in the industry and let's shift let's, let's shift to the early years of my field engineering career now because the challenges were not just a part of the educational experience they they continued with me to the STEM career that I chose after graduation. Um, so I told you that I was a field engineer to begin with, uh, for an oil, oil field services company, and what the job entails is that you are leading a crew of about 15 middle-aged men taking your equipment out to the field, uh, rigging up the equipment, and uh, executing the job on the on the well site, which in my situation could have been in the middle of nowhere, and uh, so you're staying out there doing a lot of jo- uh, the, the jobs that uh, a field engineer, demanding jobs that a field engineer has to do. So, I'll, I want to talk here about how sometimes in that field engineer timeframe, I I did what my field crew was doing, and you know that was taking part in the equipment rig up and rig down during the jobs. I could have chosen not to participate in that rig up and rig down process but I would do it every time with the intention that doing so earns me respect from my subordinates. Um, My thought process was that I'm one of them, a part of the team, not an engineer who distances herself from the groundwork. So to elaborate a little bit more, equipment rig up and rig down can involve heavy lifting. I was fit enough to do it on my own, and often when I would do that, I would hear compliments like, oh, she's not a girl because she can pick up heavy stuff by herself. So what I want to say here is that compliments like these don't sound very hurtful. However, my point is that the good job was rewarded with references to being a man and any weaknesses were being a sign of a woman. So my, my outstanding question is, um, shouldn't our measures of success be based on merit or what our, and not on what our gender is? And that's the kind of challenge that I, I still feel that a lot of women run into in STEM careers that are more hands-on uh, up to this date. Um, so in just closing, I'm going to say that my challenge uh, has been always been that women get judged on very fine dual standard balance. Uh, they have to really excel to be recognized in the same positions as their male counterparts at the expense of being labeled inappropriately. So... They're also very likely to be blamed for not being smart at work, but rather lucky to be female.
1: Wow, those are two powerful examples. And as you said, one from your educational world, one from your your uh, restate. Wow, those are some powerful examples. One from the educational realm, and one from the work realm. And you know, I just it's it's really powerful. Some of the things that you communicated in terms of that these comments that you receive from your male colleagues made you question whether you were doing the right thing. And also just the, you know, kind of the observation that, you know, questioning, are you being perceived or blamed for abusing diversity programs in your favor? um, Or, uh, you know, again, being judged by this dual standard balance. Um, Really, really fascinating and provocative examples, Javi.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to have shared those um, just with the intent that um, it might help somebody out there listening.
1: So, Javi, at this point, you've shared some, again, some very, um, let's say, provocative and impactful situations from your educational experiences and your early work career. And you are still rather early in your career, and you're just finishing up your MBA program at this point. So, I'm wondering what's next for you? Um, you started off talking about how you like to experiment and test and then see where your passions lie. So, what can we expect from you next for our audience? Um, restate. So, what can we expect from Restate again? So, Javi, where are you now and what opportunities are you exploring and experimenting with for your career?
0: So, I'm, Barbara, I'm glad that you asked about this. I feel like I'm very fortunate. Uh, at a very fortunate point in my career right now. And the reason I'd say that is because the MBA experience for me at Kellogg School of Management has been a very um, eye-opening experience. I thought I was going to come here and learn the hardcore business skills that I needed to to advance myself in the career. But it has been able to allow me a lot more than just the hardcore business skills. It has allowed me to understand who I am, what are my values, uh, what what uh, takes me, what what gets me motivated, and uh, and all those things have actually have basically spurred these conversations that I've uh, inside myself that I've shared with you today. Um, now that I feel like I know a better bit about myself and what, um, what restating. Uh, now that I feel I, I have a better insight about myself, I feel very excited about the next part in my career, which will be to transition into a management consulting role. And uh, in that management consulting role, I am hoping to focus on digital strategy work. Uh, so when I say digital strategy, start thinking about... Uh, you know, Workforce of the Future, Industrial Revolution 4.0, Industrial Internet of Things, and just how technology is getting incorporated into our lives, into our businesses, and uh, how it is reshaping everything that we're doing today. And I'm so glad to have found this opportunity because it allows me to stay uh, true to my engineering roots but also allows me to think of the strategic component of the challenges that technology is bringing with itself and think of all these problems from a C-suite perspective. Um, I I aspire to be in the C-suite someday, and I think this this immediate experience after school will allow me to start thinking and uh, experience this from uh, that mindset from day one. Um, the MBA from Kellogg has been very foundational in developing the strategic mindset that I need to be successful in this role. And um, it's been important because when I was in the industry, uh, I realized building that mindset, building that experience can, can take several years and only when you have the right advancement opportunities to, for you. But um, in an MBA program, Uh, those opportunities come to you much more at a a much faster rate. So you're able to develop that mindset and critical thinking skill uh, at a a lot faster rate than you you would have otherwise. And like I said earlier, the the Kellogg MBA has not just been helpful in building a hard skill set, but it has been a time where of rich with self-discovery, reflecting on my own challenges in the past from a different lens. And then just becoming cognizant of what other challenges are out there that even though may not have, even though I may have not experienced them, but I now I know of those because there are 500 of other classmates that I interact with on a different uh, day-to-day basis from different industries and walks of life. And I feel like I'm slightly more equipped to uh, go back into the workforce and avoid the career trajectory problems that have come up earlier on. So um, those are some of the things that I've been able to collect in the last couple of years from Kellogg, and I am looking forward to go out back to the real world and apply them. Perhaps the next time you will speak, it will be about positive stories, uh, stories like understanding a challenge and responding to it even before it turned into a story that, uh, that it did not have the same results as I was expecting in my mind and, had, and, and, and a challenge from peers and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, I love how you said that. And one perspective that I love to take is that nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And I think, again, the only uh, negative experience is perhaps one that we don't learn from. And I think some of the examples that you shared, you know, clearly they were perhaps disappointing, they were uncomfortable, they were shocking, Um, even offensive. And at the same time, I think on the other side, they were obviously very pivotal in your growth and development. And it's wonderful that you found in the Kellogg program an opportunity to reflect more and even grow more from those experiences. And also, I think just by the shining light you've been and how you responded to some of those situations, you have probably played a big role in turning around some of the which you could call negative assumptions or stereotypes in your male colleagues that you've interacted with. So, again, I think that um, I do. I really hope that we do get a chance to uh, interview you again, not just uh, as we're doing now, Javi, with, you know, being a a leader woman in uh, heavy industry and talking about your challenges there, but also as a leader woman in the C-suite because just as we have a dearth of women in manufacturing and heavy industry and STEM in general, um, the same with the C-suite. Obviously, we all know this, those statistics. So, um, so congratulations on setting yourself up to, um, uh, to transition into uh, uh, such a role one day because that is definitely a, a venue um, in the corporate boardrooms that we need to get more women's voices heard in. So, um, so congratulations for that uh, strong ambition. And I do look forward to, um, to keeping track of uh, how you're doing in your progression there. Thank you so much, Barbara. I I just do, um, I believe in the mantra
0: that you have to take, uh, big changes happen with incremental
1: steps on a daily basis. So I just live by that on a day-to-day basis. That's super. And speaking of which, another step that we need to take is to close our show today. And as we do so, what message, Javi, would you like to leave our audience with? Or ask another way. What challenge or action step would you pose to our listeners?
0: Yeah, I think um, this is important, and it's been a recognition for me since I got a chance to step away from the industry and come to business school, but I feel this is uh, it's important and I feel responsible to share it with people today and with women who are listening. My message to you is that be aware of the traps we could be in, but we do not recognize, and... I want to elaborate on this because it seems very um, fluffy. First, the thing is that if you are a rock star employee, perhaps you will will also be a victim of sexist comments or anything that is intentionally supposed to get you off your A game. And to you, I have to say that just be resilient, consider it as a compliment, and do not let yourself get derailed by the wrongdoing of others. You know what's important to you, so you have to keep that in mind and keep pushing forward. And then the second thing that I want to um, say in in order to elaborate on the, be aware of your traps uh, but you don't recognize, is that please do not accept the status quo. Um, go out and negotiate for what you want, whether it is to be a part of a certain team, to be staffed on a certain project, any international assignment. Whatever you think is important, Um, and whatever you think is important for your career, and whatever you think is important for that present in time. Um, We as women often do not negotiate uh, because uh, I have seen that they do not know what can be negotiated. Honestly, everything can be negotiated. So uh, do not let that uh, negotiation slip away from you. Do not let that negotiation that you did not do result in a lost income or a delayed career advancement or an underutilization of your skills. Uh, Women do not need to suffer these losses. And all I ask of you is to do some careful planning and practicing to ask because that is the first step that you can take towards negotiating a future that you want for yourself in your careers.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. And Thank you so much for sharing the insights that you have and for those two very tangible pieces of advice. Beware of the traps that we don't recognize and not accepting the status quo but negotiating for what you want. Perfect place to wrap up. And you are a storyteller, Javi, (laughs) and we all appreciated the very specific and tangible stories and relatable stories that you shared. And I think even more important to your point that, Uh, we can relate to them. And just by your insights in terms of how you reacted in the moment, the lessons you learned from them upon reflection, and just, again, stepping up to pay it forward for, you know, myself and everyone else who's listening, thank you so much for that. And thank you to our audience for joining this conversation. In addition to these inspiring words by Javi, please do stay tuned and continue to engage with us on womenandmanufacturing.com and on. Uh, Please do continue to stay tuned with us at womenandmfg.com and on Twitter. Thank you so much. Till next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing.